Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Josh Brown into the wind-up. We're recording this in the afternoon, which means we're thoroughly wound up at this point of the day. I'm Scott Tilford. You are Josh Brown in full. Scott Tilford, you I- can speak for yourself because I'm currently suffering through a two-day <laughs> hangover, thanks to your friend of mine, Ash Millman, because it's her birthday today. It is. And people should go wish her a happy birthday. So thank you for pushing this till the afternoon because I was in no <laughs> state to record it this morning. We I And mean, yet we still attempted some news. We did some Overwatch 2 stuff, we did some Xbox stuff, those things will be on the channel. But a massive, massive happy birthday to Ash Millman and my own mum, who doesn't listen to the podcast podcast, but it oh. is her birthday as well. Hell yeah, your old mum. It's a day for celebrations. Speaking of good stuff, um, we're going to run down the latest gaming news, uh, talking points, and whatever else is going on in the industry, including a couple of little bits about things that we're playing. Um, but the the thing that's on everyone's lips, and yet me and you have not talked about it, is the Mario movie. Now, I want to know what you think. Well, I'll tell you why, Scott Silver, we haven't talked about it, because I didn't want to be a buzzkill in the run-up <laughs> to this Mario trailer dropping, because people were so excited about it, you were calling it, and mm. I quote, one of the biggest things in entertainment history. Yeah, I said it was like making a movie about Jesus. Can I quote? <laughs> you can did I, do that. I can that. I? Can I quote your side of it? Yep. You said to me, if it didn't have this cast, no one would be talking about it. I said no one that I knew would be uh, talking about okay, it okay, okay. because we were talking about its reach. And we, yes. we and you like to talk a lot about what the algorithms are serving each other <laughs> up because that what you see online often shapes your perception of how popular things are or how popular things aren't. Yes. And I was just saying to you that nobody was talking about the Mario movie on my social media Which or I in my friendship insane. circles in terms of it being an actual movie. All I saw were memes about the cast and memes about Chris Pratt. But no <laughs> one being like, it's a piece of entertainment history. What's it going to turn out like? What's the plot going to be? Stuff like that, that Mm. I know obviously... Your, you yourself and other super fans have been obsessing well, over since the trailer was even announced. But my point was, yeah, my point was that regardless of anything, even from just a base human history, humans on this earth standpoint, it's a massive point in time because it's the Mario movie. It is, but my friend, Go they've on. already perfected the Mario <laughs> movie because the Super Mario Brothers released <sighs> in the late 90s with Bob Hoskins is an exceptional film. So to me, history has already been made and now we're just kind of repeating history you know just do it again I mean, it is the gaming industry, so what can you do except the same thing again? Again, because now it's official, and now we're on a podcast, and this whole podcast is about winding us up. I can yes. finally say, without dampening your excitement for the trailer, <laughs> that this trailer means literally nothing to me. 
believe that. It's weird because I think it's just because Mario isn't my guy. Mm. I didn't grow up with Mario. Even the games that I, I have was played kid. of Mario, mm-hmm. um, I haven't like loved. They haven't become a part of me in the same way that Breath of the Wild and even Skyward Sword did. Right. I thought Super Mario Odyssey was pretty good. I thought Super Mario 64 was pretty good. But I don't <laughs> love the character. I don't love the world. So when this trailer was dropping, I said to you, if I wasn't great friends with you and mm-hmm. if I didn't value everything that you brought to the table... Like, I wouldn't talk about it with anyone. It's only because I find you fascinating <laughs> and I find you interesting that I will allow this conversation to happen. But Thank if, you. If my, if my mother, if it yes. was her birthday and she said, Josh, talk to me about the Super Mario Brothers tr- movie trailer, uh-huh. I would say, mother... I'm putting the phone down. <laughs> I'm very curious what the um, what people think about this. What people if people get in touch and say, look, I also do not care. I did a little Twitter poll because I was like, where's the general hype at? And there were like four options, and it was like, I am counting the minutes, which is very much me. Um, everything works in this uh, except for Mario. That that's the the one that won. I think that had about 30, 40 percent of the votes. Um, and then there was also just like, to be honest, not bothered and actively, you know, don't care. And I'm curious, like, because the the default assumption because it's Mario, just one of the biggest, most globally recognizable characters of all time, blah, blah, is that, and the reception to the trailer has been fairly positive, especially everything other than Chris Pratt. Um, I think Pratt is like serviceable enough. Like watching the trailer, I didn't notice him at all, yeah. which is almost the biggest, most damning thing um, because Jack Black's Bowser is absolutely dominating the discourse, the movie. Everyone's already talking about him carrying the movie. Um, and there's already a clip out there of, of Jack Black on stage at Comic-Con doing more Bowser lines and it's just heaven. It's just absolutely, you couldn't get a better casting anyway. Yes. Um, and him just saying stuff in that, uh, in doing his Bowser voice is some of the best, most entertaining uh, stuff I've seen recently. Hey, Bowser was really good. Yeah. Like, we'll get into the trailer so in more detail in a second. But mm-hmm. yes, I thought, you know, Jack Black, I really enjoy in anything. Mm-hmm. I like that he's getting um, kind of more roles recently. Not that he ever went away, but it feels like mm-hmm. he's returned to the pop culture um, kind of discourse more than he was like five years ago, mm-hmm. six years ago, whatever. Because his beard is humongous. Very good. It is partly because of his beard. He had the gaming channel, didn't he? he Still did the going, YouTube as far as I know. For a little bit. We should do a collab. He never, he doesn't know we exist. He didn't get, he didn't get in touch. I'm massively, I was a huge fan of the old, um, what the hell was it called? It was like Jay Belicious or something. Yeah. It's something yeah. like that. I, I used to watch it, but I watched it before it was gaming content because the whole joke for a while was like, he's like, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. <laughs> and it was always just like a day in his life every week, which I thought was really fascinating because it would be about the movies he was shooting, hanging out with his kids, doing stuff at his house, and having just having a basketball sorry, having a a skateboard ramp put into his backyard for an afternoon because it's Jack Black. And I was like, that's brilliant. And then when he started doing actual Let's Plays, I dropped off because it was like, now I'm playing Red Dead 2 with my son. And I was like, I don't care at all about what (laughs) you, the game side of your life, Jack Black. Um, But yeah, I think overall, I want to get your take on Mario. And I'm curious if other people are also similar where it's like, didn't grow up with the character, don't have the connection to it, not bothered. It just feels like another kid's movie. Um, Because for some of us, like it just is that, even just seeing the visuals of it and knowing that they've got this insane cast. Although massive shout out to every other language so far like the French I forget the name of the dude but the guy playing French Mario absolutely bang on same with the Brazilian guy Mm. and there are other language versions of this uh, where the actor very much aware that they're voicing Mario is absolutely nailing it and as much as Chris Pratt's trying to be trying to play it smooth apparently um, and just speak fairly normally with a very slight Brooklyn accent um, there are other voice actors out there that are you know uh, answering the call indulge me I'm going to drop this on you do it do your best Mario Oh, man, I can do a... Woo-hoo. 
I can do it. That's a, pretty good. I can That's do whatever you need. Do a, do a yippee or whatever you need. <laughs> I can do something like that. I like um, that. I mean, it depends how far back you want to go because when they started out, it was all, oh, pizza pasta and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, we didn't get away from this, Charles Martin. Yes. It's not 1992 anymore. Um, but yeah, I think that the Mario, it was such a point in time across the weekend. It was such a big talking point. Yeah, man. Um, but hilarious that Mario himself is the weakest part of the entire trailer so far. Yes. Um, and the rumors are that we'll see more at the Game Awards um, because the only other major date in Mario's canon is March 10th. That's Mario Day now. Right, okay. So we'll see because Mar 10, Mar well, Mario. Oh, very good, very uh, good. Talk to me about the trailer itself, right? Okay. Because I watched it. I you saw did. that it was out on Twitter. I saw your response to it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm going to have to see what all of this hoopla is you about. You put Last of Us down. I literally you, did. And you watched it. Imagine a bigger tonal whiplash than putting down <laughs> The Last of Us Part 2 to go to watch uh, the Mario trailer. Which but makes yes. me contest that you did care. No, I just wanted to talk about with you. It's how much, mm. what you should be contesting there is how much I care about this the content friendship. life. <laughs> no, not even the content life. I would never do a video on the mm. Mario movie with you, but mm. I will talk to you about it on this Ooh, podcast. Now that you've said that, we're going to have to do private. a video on, on the Mario movie. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to. We're going to have to live react to the back. next thing. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. You, you wanted to do that. Scott Telford wanted to do this on the night that it was dropping, which for UK folk dropped at 9 p.m. Yep. Um, and I thought, I'm playing The Last of Us 2, Scott Telford. Like, get out of bed, John. do it. My point was, and I've got a few here, the trailer itself, um, while I thought it was fine, like it was good, um, wasn't like offensively bad or Mm. anything like that, I did think it was a weird trailer because we sort of saw one scene that was kind of abridged. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, a couple of minutes of Bowser coming to the fortress. And that kind of like more or less played out in full. Like it was just, you know, Almost, shot to yeah. shot. Mm-hmm. It wasn't cut like a trailer. And then we got that scene and then it cut to like Mario entering the Mushroom Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of got that scene. So it was kind of like two scenes stitched together. And maybe I just don't watch enough trailers for animated movies, but that seemed like a strange way to do it because mm. it didn't feel to me like your regular trailer with music over where you're getting a lot of different scenes, mm. which I guess is kind of confident because it knew it could just let the movie play and people would um you know get it and mm-hmm. people would be excited because the movie itself just works as a kind of moment to moment thing but mm-hmm. the, the thing is like i the way that i feel like they played it was almost like a a wrestler's return style thing right everyone was so curious what jack black was going to sound like and quadruply curious what chris pratt was, pratt was going to sound like so the way that they did it for me worked immaculately well you had that teaser thing with the lava falling in frame and then you had the slow reveal of bowser but his character model is bang on like just looks incredible the stats of Bowser and flying his kingdom around and whatever. And then, and so when you finally reveal and he says like, open the gates. And I was like, this is great. That sounds like a perfect mix of like Jack Black doing a Bowser voice and then him laughing and taking care of the penguins and everything. And you do all that great stuff, that reference to Mario 64 with the penguins um, and dude who plays Cyborg voicing um, the lead penguin man. And then, you know, you sort of go like, okay, but we're still waiting on Mario. And it was kind of played right into that like cultural expectation of like, you know, where we are at right now. What the hell's this Mario going to sound like? Yeah. And then even then they really drag it out. Like you get little bits of, because um, Apparently Koji Kondo is working with Illumination to do like almost westernized versions of the old Mario theme. So you kind of get like a minionized version of the Mario theme yeah. in the background and eventually Pratt talks. So I I really liked how they rolled it out. Like I it kind of made it different from standard trailers. It's made me go back to it like 10, 15 times now. Like I love that thing. Um, and just watch the build. It's perfect for reactions as well. I feel like they knew, you know, the way that they build it. Right. You've got like visual reactions. You've got audible reactions. There are there are points in that trailer 
and that you want to see people react to and that it's built for that entire audience yeah. without being too um, cynical about it. I of thought course. it still maintained its charm. Well, I uh, like I said to, <laughs> to begin with, I yes. don't have much frame of reference for Mario as a character or Mario as a movie, which kind of is insane. You weren't theorizing about the I work on this channel, but the potential of Rosalina. I wasn't. In. No, I the was Loomis. like Michael Hamflet was up in our office yeah. earlier on today talking about someone called Roy. I was like, <laughs> that, you're just making characters up. What are you talking about? He's talking Roy? about the Koopalings, mate. We don't know whether oh or not they're Bowser's children. Depends which uh, frame of reference you want to go to in terms of me and history with the character. But we've got 30 years to pick from. Let me talk to you about something yeah. I actually do have a soft spot in my heart for, Scott Telford. And I promise it is, um, you know, on point for this entire <laughs> section. And I promise you I'm not doing a bit when I say this. Okay. But Illumination a few years ago, made a Grinch movie. And yes. the Grinch, as a character, to me, is what Mario is to you. I was so <laughs> excited to see what they would do with that character because, you know, we've had the 1966 Grinch cartoon. That's like a 20-minute shot, and it's right. excellent. I watch it every Christmas. We had the Jim Carrey live-action Grinch uh-huh. uh, directed by Ron Howard, which people say sucks, but I contend that. Is that the Jim Carrey absolutely one? absolutely is incredible. Yep, the I Jim love that. Carrey I saw one. that in the cinema. I love that. It's awesome. Yeah. And then when they kind of got around to Illumination doing an adaptation, I thought this could be amazing because the Grinch works great in animated form. Mm. So in similar vein to your run-up with the Mario trailer, I was so excited excited for the Grinch trailer right. to drop. And then, unfortunately, the Grinch trailer was bad. And I was sat there in my flat, like Alan Partridge, shouting, stop getting the Grinch wrong, <laughs> uh, because they just messed it up. And I, wor- and I wonder mm-hmm. how much of Illumination's tastes there, you know, obviously Minions-esque tastes. An uptown funk song number. Absolutely. Yep. How much that can filter into this Mario movie, considering how closely Nintendo are, you know, part, are working on the project. That's, that's not a sentence, but you know what I mean. Yeah. No, totally. That's by far the biggest ray of light in a potential smog of soupy darkness is the fact that Nintendo are directly involved. Shigeru Miyamoto, as far as I know, is executive producer. He said they've been working on it for seven years. Um, mm. There's no, um, you know, sort of financial incentive to do the movie at this point in time. Um, there would have been, let's say, if you're going to do it in 2017, if it was tied into Odyssey or something. I feel like they've taken their sweet time to get it right. Um, what? Sorry, I'm doing a face. Doing a little that, face. That Odyssey came out in 2017. Odyssey is five years old. Yeah, it came that, out with the same year as Breath of the Wild. That's rocked my socks off. I know, because there was that that's whole crazy. thing where they launched the Switch with Zelda and Mario. Of course. Yeah, I, yeah, I always, yeah, yeah. In my head, I'd obviously processed that uh, Zelda came out in 2017, mm. but man, I like to believe Mario as well. I know, right? Hell. I like to believe that the red Joy-Con is Mario and the blue Joy-Con is Link's new tunic, and they both sort of like pillars, the pillars both side of the Switch. That's and really cool. And then no other giant first-party games came out. Splatoon 3 is pretty good, <laughs> but it's it, uh, led with a, a very good foot forward. Um, but yeah, I feel like overall, the fact that Nintendo are just so directly involved and they just didn't need to do this. They didn't need to make a movie, take the risk, cast Chris Pratt as Mario, do any of that stuff. I believe in Miyamoto-san. Like, I think the dude has just... Na- like, obviously, you know, he's legendary. Like, yeah. you wouldn't even have gaming today if it wasn't for what Nintendo did in the 80s. Um, and I just I just have faith in them. And so as much as they'll absolutely have been a boardroom of Illumination executives going like, well, what song are we going to do? How are yes. we going what, to... What, what dance number are we going to have? Um, and I'm not fully against the dance number. I just hope it's not Uptown Funk. I hope it's not Insert X Song, Imagine Dragons thing you've had 20 times over. And I hope it's got more innovation than that. I thought that the trailer was absolutely loaded with Nintendo-style charm. It was a perfect yeah. hybrid of Nintendo meets Illumination. 
Um, and so I'm cautiously opt- well, I'm not cautiously optimistic. You're optimistic. I'm massively optimistic, and I'm counting the minutes. I just I can't wait. Good, and I really hope it succeeds. And from <laughs> to be honest, as a kind of impartial observer, mm. from what I saw uh, from the reactions of people like yourself online, mm-hmm. and from what I saw directly with my own eyeballs from the trailer itself, it it it's a solid star. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's got a lot of elements there that could be great, blown up to a feature length movie. And you know, like I said, me, you, and Michael Hamflet was spitballing ideas in the office earlier about what things they could include. baby. 100%. What things they could include in the film to get easy but deserved pops. And there is so much. (laughs) Even as a kind of, you know, um, outsider, barely in there fan myself, I got excited by some of the things that you were talking about. Two things. One, you should play Super Mario World if you haven't already. I don't think you have. Uh, No. You should play Super Mario World. It's a very charming, very lovable game. And... Do you think you'll see this movie in no. the cinema? No, you will no, not, no, You've not been seeing it? I will not see this movie unless it's on at Christmas. Oh. Uh, same way I didn't see the Sonic movie. And I, fa- I sound like a cynical old man. I can't believe this. It's just not, it's not my thing. I don't think it's necessarily cynicism. Maybe it is, uh, from, from your point of view. But for me, it's too big a thing for me not to, to know about. Yeah, and this is, I guess, I hope people find this interesting, but it's what I found interesting, us talking about it. You know, you talking about it mm-hmm. in a very sincere way, about it being this huge thing in entertainment yeah. history that you kind of want to see and want to um, you know understand whether it hits or whether it misses mm. and whatnot. And to me, man, like I I would I, I there's no part of me and I'm not doing this as a bit and yeah. I don't want to hit it, but I just want to lay out my cards on the table. Uh-huh. There's not one part of me that wants to pay money to see this in a cinema <laughs> or even sit down <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon when it eventually and inevitably hits Netflix God. and watch it on Netflix. I would I, it's just no part of me, man. I, you know I, I what, don't know um, why. What was the thing when we were playing? Was it when we were playing through Immortality together? And I was like, to get, I was trying to, I was fast forwarding through the movie clips, oh. and you were like, you are killing me. This is killing me. Yes. And um, that's my thing with Nintendo, because like Nintendo, as much as I was a Sega kid, I've played all the Mario games. Like you know, I've, I've very much played all of them for the last twenty years, let's say. Um, a fair, a, a hell of a lot. Nintendo to me is just charm incarnate. Like when they, when Nintendo is on, which is the vast majority of the time, it is just charm and positivity and uplifting vibes incarnate. And like that's just, I don't know. There's something about like I, I would, I wish you could experience that. Like I <laughs> want to be able to give it yeah. to you. Um, but we should speaking of uh, things that are good vibes incarnate and uh, and worthwhile things. It's not Metal Hellsinger's final boss, Josh. Bro. Oh man, this was a thing because Scott and I obviously. We were both busy at the weekend, so we yes. didn't really talk much. And then when we first came in the office, you taught me that you had finished this game yep. uh, a few Helsing. weeks after I did. Uh, and you couldn't believe how bad the final boss was. No. Whereas I thought the final boss, in classic wind-up fashion, <laughs> was one of the best things in video games this year. I would, like, literally, I said out loud, this is one of the worst things I've ever played. Like, I absolutely hated it. But yeah, to um, quickly round up, Metal Hellsinger, very much Doom with a very Doom-like soundtrack. Um, but the devs, the outsiders, have got various sort of legends of metal. Uh, Matt Heafy, I'm not sure if Randy Blythe's in there uh, from Lamb of God, but Matt Heafy's in there. Serge Tankian appears on the final song, which is a really great song. Um, but it kept getting interrupted for me because I couldn't keep the multiplier high enough. Um, but yeah, it's like that whole idea of, you know, even more metal back doom where you're fighting in time with the beat and you're sort of caught, like almost unlocking different parts of the song if you get a 16 times multiplier you'll get vocals um and so the final fight 
Um, I guess not really necessarily spoilers because it's just big demons that you're fighting. Yes. And there is a story. I really hated it by the end, but like whatever. Um, but the final fight, you go up against this sort of giant demonic skeleton thing. And I just thought it was such a mess of elements. Like you kind of had the first phase isn't too bad. It's almost like a, a living sort of bullet hell thing in 3D, almost like Returnal style where you've got waves of things coming out. You can kind of jump around them and acrobatically get around and stuff. Um, but you're still trying to shoot on beat. So it's like, I'm trying to factor in these dodges whilst I'm on beat, whilst, you know, and like the, um, the unknown, the main character's health goes down so fast if you get caught by any of those things. Yeah. Um, that you're also looking for where the health items are. So I'm like, I'm rotating, looking for the health. I'm getting hit by these waves of energy blasts. I'm trying to hit what the weak spot is on the creature. And then there's like old other phases where they bring in more things that just mess with what I would say is the sensibility of the game, which is trying to fight on beat. And so they're throwing things at you that are like uh, expanding like laser, like radial lasers on the ground while still trying to aim at specific weak spots on the uh, creature. And so I'm like, do you want me looking at the floor or do you want me to look at the boss? Do you want me to like name hit the weak spot or am I trying to stay in the air and move around this stuff and it's like the answer is all of it whilst yeah. staying on the beat yeah. and and also we're going to rob you of, of one of the coolest songs on the soundtrack because like you know obviously you got to replay it and get better and do a 16 times multiplier and whatever but it was so many disparate messy elements that I just I hated that whole sort of like final five minutes of that game that is fascinating because we have had very different experiences with mm. this final boss I, I don't know how many times you died if at all I did it so I died the first time okay. um, and then I, I was out of respawns because I died once beforehand and yeah. I died <laughs> twice trying to fight it and then it was like now and then the game crashed and put me back on the Xbox dashboard Amazing. so it was like maybe that was the second time I died either way I had to do the whole level again so Right, going into okay. it, I was a bit grisly anyway. So, so yeah. when I was playing it, I did it all in just one go. Of course. It, it goes, <laughs> Every time I'm dying in a game, I'm like, Josh didn't die here. Josh, <laughs> Josh did it straight away. Josh looks at it and it beats itself. In this is, <laughs> I wish, and this isn't to brag or anything like that. It's no. just to highlight the experience I had with it. So mine was like one unbroken life from the start of that level to the end of the boss. Mm. And the boss was very hard and I almost died, but I managed to keep the 16 times multiplier up for pretty much the whole mm. fight. So I got the full song and those disparate elements that you mentioned there cohered right. for me in a really spectacular final boss where I was appreciating that it was challenging everything that I had learned up until mm. that point and I think it helps that you know you're talking about you're trying to fight on the beat by that point I had gotten used to also it is in you at that point. moving yeah, on yeah. the beat as well because you know you can dash I had the three times dash I'm not mm. sure if you had that yep. but you can dash to the beat as well to keep the beat up so sure. I was even when I wasn't shooting I was avoiding the projectiles and other enemies to the beat which kept the multiplier up which kept me in the flow of yeah. the fight. And I just thought that fight itself with the enemy design being so spectacular, like you said, you know, this big fiery demon from mm. hell. Uh, the setting was cool and the song was the cherry on top of the cake, especially because it was the first <laughs> vocalist I recognized in the whole game. Right. Uh, yeah, to me, <laughs> it, it was the exact antithesis of your experience. I just, yeah, like for me, it was just, they overloaded it and it was too many things to keep track of. And I think that, like I said, that game, like obviously you're fighting on the beat, so you kind of subconsciously have that at that point. And like, and yeah, for many levels, it was only like 10 levels long anyway. Yeah. Um, but like it's one of those things where it's so short that you sort of you start getting it in you in terms of the rhythms um, and then it's done and it's like the the back half of it I was starting to get it down where I was maintaining the 16 times multiplier and getting the full songs and everything 
Um, but yeah, by the time I got to that final boss, I just ended up dying. But if there's one thing that I just hate, it's like waves of enemies, waves of projectiles, tons of stuff coming out, you kicking the screen or whatever, and you're in first person, so you don't really know right. what's hitting you or how to really evade or how much space am I taking up, etc. And so when you you're trying to like stay on beat and there's all this stuff coming at you and it's all and also avoid the thing on the floor and make sure you stay in the air and try and hit this thing and look for a health item because the only way you can heal is by shooting a green crystal on the side of the arena and then running over and grabbing that. Yeah. Yes. Um, the enemy, the boss does summon smaller enemies um, in amongst all everything else. Um, all of that in first person was just, for me, it was an absolute mess. Right. Um, where I was just like, there was no flow here. And I get that you could, like, you managed to find one, but like I, in trying to learn the boss and just navigate everything in real time, um, <laughs> oh, I was like, punch the microphone. <laughs> um, just found it to be um, just, just horrible. Just a horrible, horrible feeling. I understand those criticisms, to be honest, because when I was first playing the game in the first few um, areas, especially, and I couldn't get into the floor, mm. I was having a miserable time as well. You know, right. the game demands you get into that floor, mm. and it's not a kind of notion of skill or anything. It's just like, you need to, it, it, it expects you to put in the time yeah. to get into the floor to understand how the weapons work, to understand how the movements work, to understand what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I managed to get that first time on this boss, and it, but if you didn't, I can picture that being a miserable experience because I was <laughs> thinking in my own head, if I die here and have to do this whole level again on top of this boss, yes. I would have been annoyed as well. Fortunately, I avoided that fate, but it was in my head and I was thinking about it. So. There's one bit, it's the very end, it's the final phase after you do like the two main phases because you sort of climb up the side of the arena and then you fall back down again and you're still fighting it, and then you uh, take care of all the minions and you do all this stuff and then the creature sort of <clears throat> walks towards you and it's the final bit right then it's still <laughs> i was like just die <laughs> how many different phases like i'm just clinging on i i, I think at that stage i still had Maybe I had one more re resurrect left. I was like, if I go down now, I've got to do it all again. Yeah. And I was like, I might just delete my entire, just throw the Xbox out the window. Like, I'm never going to do this again. Um, and I managed to make it through. And I was like, I was. it was one of those bosses where I was just glad it was done. Right. And um, which like is a specific feeling that I have for certain enemies where I'm like, I am never, ever, ever going near this again. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. 
For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, what culture gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I, w- I want your opinion on something yes. because I, again, I, I didn't die. I know. Humble brag, but <laughs> in a few bosses prior to this. We should talk about them too. It might even be the, the, the boss prior to this level where, because every boss in this game, apart from the final boss, if you don't know mm. guys who are listening, uh, is the exact same boss. It's, it's the so exact boring. same boss with slightly different modifiers. The design of it isn't fun at all. At one point you fight concur, two of them. And that's the one so I want to talk about. At one point you fight two of them and that was the one where I was already sick of this boss design. And yeah. when it threw two of them at me, I just thought, if you kill me here, which you might do because it feels cheap now because mm. you've got two of these pretty tough bosses. Yeah. If you kill me here, I might just delete the game. <laughs> I had the same experience because I thought, why are we doing this same routine at the end of every level? If you don't have any interesting thing to mm-hmm. add or tack on as a boss fight, I would prefer to not have a boss fight at Same. all because it becomes an arbitrary skill check. And for me, that kind of that boss where it's split in two had a lot of the issues that you mentioned there with the final boss where I just thought, you know, there's not enough cover here in like the beat. Uh, kind of like keeping on beat is, is, is it works, but mm-hmm. it's more difficult because now we've got a true mass of projectiles where not only do I have to keep on beat and look at the enemy in front of me, mm. I've also got an enemy behind me now that deals as much damage yeah. and is just as powerful, and that one outright sucked for me. I think they could have, yeah, same. When I saw that it just doubled up for that level, I was like, oh my god, guys. Like, the thing is, if I take a step back, I think it's incredibly impressive what they've been able to do. Like, I think considering, I think the Outsiders have done one or two games before, but nothing as big as this. And you have, you know, the, what? Sorry, just correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I think you told me that they were made up of some ex-Battlefield devs as well? You're not thinking of the dudes behind the finals? No, I thought you mentioned maybe these, it was because I think it's like a Swedish mm. uh, studio as well. Maybe. Yeah, either way, they're, they're they're a fairly new team, and so like for this to be so like accomplished, like it feels great. Like when everything's on beat and you're just slaying dudes and all the point multipliers are popping up. And then, for me, I mean, I'm a massive like metal fan, whatever. The soundtrack is absolute heaven. Like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, the fact that they've they've managed to accomplish so much stuff, like the first person shooter model is solid. Um, the band's called Two Feathers, um, and they've just sort of like swapped out the singer. So sometimes, like I said, it's Mahifi, sometimes it's Surge or whatever. Um, and then you've kind of got this idea of like maybe they had to just kind of cut bosses at some point and just we need a boss encounter for each level, but we only really have the first one, so we'll just 
do that every time and we'll try and make the damage output a bit higher or whatever and then we'll save the actual other boss for the final boss but that's that's the only real downside for me is like the length of it I don't mind a short game every now and then but I feel like the fact that it's the exact same boss every yeah. time that's the bit that starts to grind on you and then when the checkpoints they do let you resurrect three times if you're on the middle difficulty um, but you have to do the whole level again if you die those other times and when you're resurrecting um, they'll give you full health but they don't uh, replenish the health crystals around the arena so if you come yeah. back and then you just get wiped out again you're just back down again and it's just like well, you might as well just let me die three times <laughs> like as opposed to saying like oh they came back and whatever um, overall I really enjoyed my time with it um, like like vast majority like I, I think like I said I think it's really impressive um, it just has that weird feel where if you're into metal you're probably better off just listening to the soundtrack it's only on YouTube it's not on um, Spotify yet um, and it's just that's kind of general feel of it where like it can be a, a little bit messy I wish they did a bit more with uh, the weapons you get because like yeah. I wish they gave you stuff that was like a double time or it was like um, had interstitial moments or something like that um, or different syncopations or whatever because I feel like they everything is just on the, it's almost the same um, and I like the bounce to the shotgun, which I know you weren't a fan of, but yeah. then they try and mix it up a little bit, but I feel like they could do more. And sometimes the level is like beating, it's in beat with you, like flames are like coming out in time. And I was like, there's so much cool stuff here. That's it, Maybe right? the DLC will do it or something. I think that's it. You know, I, I don't want to be too hard on the game because mm. ultimately I did find it kind of forgettable when all was said and done. Right. But I do think it's a very solid foundation and I would check out what they do next, how mm. they expand upon it because... The core of it, when it works, like you said, it mm -hmm. is really, really cool. And again, going back to what you said there about like the levels moving to the beat as well. I love the way that some of the enemies kind of skirt around the environment, again, to the beat. And <laughs> they're kind of like coming at you in a yeah, zigzag yeah. to the beat. And that is so sick. It's just, yeah, there's not enough there for me currently mm -hmm. to make me want to uh, go back to it. When I finished it, after like three or four hours, I felt like I'd got my film. I didn't right. feel interested in going back to do the extra kind of um, challenges that you unlock after completing a level or anything like that. But mm -hmm. I would check out any DLC and I would check out a sequel yes. to see on how they see how they build upon this incredibly, you know, impressive. I don't want to call it a tech demo. That sounds reductive, but it mm. feels to me kind of like that. Oh, you know? I think I think I'm definitely higher on it than you overall. I do yeah. think it's very memorable. I, I I would recommend it as a package. I just would tell people to watch out for the final bosses and uh, and to stick with it. I don't think the um the weapons. I mean, you kind of start with twin pistols, or maybe you start with a shotgun. But once you've got pistols and a shotgun, for me, they're like the best weapons in there. Like I uh, I didn't get it, couldn't get away with the other stuff that they give you, the crossbow and the, the boomerang stuff. Um, but I know the boomerangs you really liked. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely more positive on it overall. I just think it. Can Kind of loses its mind in the last few minutes for me with the boss and then the post credit stuff they uh it gets hyper cheesy in the way that it's written and not necessarily in a self-aware fun way just right. in like a genuinely cringe kind of way that's um the bit you know because troy baker is like your narrator yeah and he's just doing like a almost like sam elliott style like narration thing and then it's just like uh someone goes to heaven and it's like and when they get to heaven give them hell and i'm just like oh, okay this is classic is wind doing, up is it? this because i would say play it especially for the final level and that final <laughs> twist because the final twist is cringy and kind of that weird in the bar, and goofy though. oh very bad Scott. Oh. But to me, that was not any, like, that didn't feel like a, a jarring scene mm. compared to what I had previously experienced. It felt like just a natural evolution of that. Like, I wasn't mm. going to the cutscenes previously thinking, oh, this is really cool. I was thinking this is kind of goofy. No, it is. It, it metal, metal is goofy, like, yeah. obviously. Like, I mean, yeah, like, a lot of the cutscenes until that point are just, like, 80s heavy metal album covers come to life. It's very brutal legend in that regard. Mm. Like, it's very, like, the levels are made from what would be, like, old, um, like, Saxon album covers or Iron Maiden or uh, Venom or something. 
um, a band that I'm forgetting the name of, who I know have a um, have a big dude on the front, big shirtless dude. You'll not know who I mean, no. but he's holding the weapon, and they get referred to a lot as uh, sort of getting out the the landscape of Mel um, stuff like that. I feel like it's very brutal legend in that regard, and it was just that swerve at the end where it's. Tries to be a bit too cool for its own good, and I'm just like, ah, I don't know about this. Um, we should pivot into uh, new stuff, though. Um, Overwatch 2, um, I've been playing, Josh is going to be playing, but you can check out the video on the channel for that. The audio for that might also be on this feed uh, by the time this goes live. Um, and just to very quickly mention, I did uh, wrap up Lost Judgment on the weekend. That game, if you're still looking for a Yakuza-style game to dive into, I would still massively recommend it. Um, I think for me, it would be... It's not the best in that entire like series by Ryuga, Ryuga Gagotu. Uh, but I would recommend it, like, overall. I think yes. that the themes in that game are incredibly well done. And um, this whole thing that they get into about pack mentalities and bullying in school, and they, like, spl- they kind of extrapolate all of it out into, like, the role of the law and what can it, wh- how satisfied can you be by um, a judgment that is passed down by the law versus, you know, taking action into your own hands against a bully, for example, or someone who really made you feel small or whatever, um, and how far people will go to try and maybe get revenge or whatever, and whether time as a healer and whether it should be and like you know keeping things with you over time i think the things that they go into there are extremely relevant and um for the yakuza series like way higher than a lot of the other stuff that they do though especially the way that this game ends uh, i think is extremely memorable i don't think the yakuza fandom are massive on lost judgment but personally i think it's one of the best stories um, that they've done and um, so i'd massively recommend that speaking of new stuff though um first new story comes um, as about silent hill and the fact that christoph gans the director of the silent hill 2003 I ah, believe, the, maybe? Yes. Although um, I thought it was the 06, but I could be wrong maybe about that. Maybe it's 06. That. Yeah, 2000s, anyway. Yes. Um, the Silent Hill movie, one of the only good video game movies uh, <laughs> that there is. Um, he was talking to a French website called Movie and Game, and he was being asked about the Silent Hill video games. Um, and he said, there are several games in development as we speak. There are several teams on it with a big line of games. They will, they will revive the franchise. I think that they were really impressed with the success of the remakes of Resident Evil and are evidently exceptional games, he means for Resident Evil. Um, and he says that he's working with Konami on the upcoming uh, Silent Hill movie. Um, that's They're their a consultant uh, and not Kojima, which I guess makes sense, the yeah. whole thing of whether or not Kojima would be involved in the Silent Hill reboot. Um, he's also asked about the Silent Hill 2 remake. He just says yes. Um, and he says that I'm working with Konami, but not with Kojima. Um, and uh, But with the Silent Hill team that I first met when I did the first Silent Hill movie. So he seems like he's still very much involved, but confirming various Silent Hill games going forward. I love Christoph Gans because <laughs> every few years he just kind of like does an interview where he confirms a Lord of Silent Hill stuff. Mm. Like you mentioned the the movie that is referenced there. Like apparently there is a new movie coming that yeah. dropped in an interview a few years ago as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is really exciting. And again, it's this is like this is kind of like Devil May Cry 5 before it came out, where it was the worst kept secret in gaming. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew it was gonna happen. Everyone kept talking about it and leaking it, but it took Capcom ages <laughs> to confirm that it was real. And this is how I feel with uh, these two Silent Hill projects at this point. We've seen screenshots, we've seen uh, ratings for it on the ESRB, we've mm. heard rumors about you know Silent Hill 2 getting a remake with the original team members coming back to help produce it. Just an it. Konami. <laughs> what it makes me think of is Sony's overall approach to their IPs, their franchises. We talked about this in the Xbox news. There's a whole bunch of stuff doing the rounds on just how much money Game Pass is making and how you know Xbox's approach to the generation and Sony's approach to the generation, which Sony's is very how can we make an entire globe, a whole sort of sphere yarn ball of uh, potential <laughs> of certain things. And the idea of so many projects being in the works, you know, the, and, and also the movie gun, sorry, gun, the movie game combo is the 
smoking gun to me, um, which makes me think that Sony probably have forked out so much money to lock these things down um, as PlayStation exclusives or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think of like that idea of like they lock uh, Silent Hill down and like that's it's forever sort of tied to PlayStation going forward? Um, oh man, this is where like <laughs> the fanboy in me comes out because mm. normally I'd be like Scott Tilford, no one should make an exclusive out of a franchise that has previously been multi-platform. True. But that said, if that is the thing it takes to get Silent Hill back in my life mm. at a high quality, that will be the price that I would pay for it. Because if, if the only reason that Konami is doing these projects is because of the Sony money that's coming in, mm. they would they might not do it otherwise. You know, like well, they're sitting on bloody Metal Gear Solid remakes that they could just pull out, but they're not doing that yet. And either. Castlevania and all yes. sorts of stuff. I tell you what I was just thinking of, this has happened before. There's that whole string of Silent Hill games that are only nin- on Nintendo systems. They were only ever yeah. on the Wii. Um, <clears throat> and they never re-released them. Of all the stuff that they went back to on the Wii and the Wii U and put, like, mostly the Wii U and put out on Switch, we've never had Silent Hill downpour or Shattered Memories or whatever available anywhere else. Mostly because, I guess, you need the Wii remote to make it work but i mean that if they had a will there'd be a way like you could do all the wii stuff as a phone app you could literally tie that in That's which true. i know is a rumor for the new game that it's gonna have some sort of phone integration thing um but yeah further confirmation that you know multiple sound hill things are coming some of the screenshots leaked yes um i forget which that was the new game wasn't it there that was, like, was the new one allegedly set in britain of British yes. related, which yeah. is like the new the new Silent Hill, and then we also have the Silent Hill Two remake, but we've not seen anything of that no. just yet. But that's apparently coming from Bloober Team. I mean, we're going to be coming up on about six, seven years of rumors at this point. A long, like that's what I mean, man. It's a lot. This is why it feels like Devil May Cry Five. I remember <laughs> first joining the website and writing about Devil May Cry Five rumors, Damn. and then when it was finally announced, similar to Gotham Knights, you know, it mm. kind of feels like wow, this thing is real now, and I'm waiting for that penny to drop with uh, Silent Hill. Yeah, so we'll keep fingers crossed. I think the more people talk about it, I mean, it's interesting that Gans is just being so open about it when so many other things, like a lot of those screenshots were just locked down, taken down, whatever. Um, you would assume that it, it leads to a public announcement. The next big thing is probably the Game Awards. Um, maybe there'll be something there. Um, but yeah, next big news thing is everything that's happening with Hideo Kojima. Um, he's been out there tweeting his, whatever his next game is, which we think we know what it is. Um, and his new leading uh, actress is Elle Fanning, who I know the name of. Oh my God. But I don't know what she's from. Elle Fanning has been in a bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, you may know her from Nicholas Winding Reference, The Neon Demon. I do not. Well, I mentioned that, obviously, because uh, Nicholas Nicholas Wine and Refn uh, is always doing stuff with Kojima and mm. obviously was uh, scanned into Death Stranding 1 as Hartman. So I thought that was quite a fun connection. Do you know what I know her from? Go I on. know her from Super 8. She there you was, go. She was in Super 8. Yeah, 20th Brilliant century women. Other things that I'm forgetting <laughs> off the top of my head. But yes, a really yes. good actress. Uh, in kind of, like I said, you know, very much in the Kojima circle of mm. like a Hollywood kind of star who has worked on, um, you know, really interesting experimental movies like The Neon Demon mm-hmm. with directors that Kojima likes. So this makes <laughs> a lot of sense. But yeah, like you said, you know, we don't know anything about this game officially because Kojima is only teasing it right now with yep. posters that say, who am I, where am I? And some shots of fanning in the mocap studio. Yes, and fanning in the mocap studio after that was officially confirmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does seem like this is Death Stranding 2. We covered a rumor last week that suggested that that was actually in production and is going to still be a PlayStation exclusive when mm-hmm. it comes out. And over the weekend, one after the L fanning um, news was announced, one of the producers at Kojima Productions, tweeted out uh, the pictures of her in the mocap studio and dropped the hashtag Death Stranding on that post. So (laughs) that has since been deleted. Is it just another case 
of Norman Reedus coming out and saying that we're working on the next Death Stranding that's game brilliant. in similarly getting deleted. <laughs> I completely missed that hashtag thing. That's hilarious. Yes. Um, I should clarify, it's not a mocap studio. It's whatever you call the photogrammetry process that lets people be scanned into a game in, in full 3D and whatever. Um, it's what they used across uh, Death Stranding 1, and it's also what let Hideo Kojima just scan all of his friends in. Because yes. all he needs to do is make them stand there for a bit, and then you can encapsulate everybody in there. Um, but yeah, what do you? I guess what do you want from uh, a Death Stranding 2 that features Elfanic? Because there's also a, a Kojima VR thing doing the round. Um, and I want. I, it was always that assumption of is the El Fanning project this one-off VR thing, which I guess yeah. it could still be. Um, but I like the idea of El Fanning being the main character in a Death Stranding too. I like the idea of leaving Sam's story and just letting it be done. Um, as much as I didn't mind Norman Reedus as the main character, I thought he was hella flat. Well, yes, he's the thing. I don't think you're getting rid of Norman Reedus anytime soon, mm. just because of what I mentioned there about him talking about like finally going in for the sequel. Mm. However, whether or not he's going to be the main character or what, that is interesting to me because like you said, you know, he, spoilers for Death Stranding 1, but he leaves to go on his own journey at the mm. end of Death Stranding yet again with uh, Baby Lou in tow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, will we pick up with Elle Fanning's character this time around or will she play a similar role to um, Bridget in the first game? Mm. And I say this purely because she's a young woman with bright blonde hair in the same way that uh, Bridget and um, I think, yeah, she or was just Fragile's Oh, yeah. Someone well, related there we to go. Yes, yeah, so someone related to one of those characters. I don't know. You know, Kojima likes his family trees. And mm. um, I have no idea what they're going to do with the story of Death Stranding 2 because the world is so good. The mythology mm-hmm. is so rich that they could do anything. But the actual story of Death Stranding 1, to me, did feel complete. So it's same. a game that I'm going to be incredibly excited about but I don't know what direction they take it in because the first one is such a complete package yeah. and I don't have the imagination personally <laughs> to uh, extrapolate what a sequel could bring to the table. I don't think anyone could have, could have seen or remote... I mean, if you told us 10, 15 years ago that the dude that was making Metal Gear Solid was going to make a... like It is open world, like sort of like fully open world exploration cliff climbing simulator where you press the shoulder buttons to balance your character so you don't drop cargo in the river. I don't think any of us saw that coming. And the fact that even that was then one of the best games of the year, yeah. maybe even the best game of 2019. Hell yeah, um, it was. <laughs> hell yeah. Um, that's such a fascinating thing. And for me, the, the director's cut was solid enough. I didn't really need the stuff that he added in there. Um, I feel like Death Stranding took on this kind of weird meme sort of banter side of it where it's like, look, you can do stunts on bikes and stuff. And uh, here's these race tracks, and I'm just like, what? Why? What are we? What are we doing? I quite like it when Death Stranding is this sort of disparate exploration of you know human connection, and it's really on the nose about all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it nails what it's going for in that regard. I did think the ending was cringe as hell, but um, it's I, I always kind of admire when something just is its own thing, when an auteur, an artist, or whatever, is able to do their own thing, and you can tell. Um, as much as I don't mind older Metal Gears and Kojima stuff where he has someone to talk to, um, you could tell that the guy, his lifelong partner, left during Death Stranding. Um, right. I forget the name of the guy that worked alongside him his entire career, and then Death Stranding is like, I'm done. Like, I don't need to help you with this. But yeah, I think that um, for a Death Stranding 2, it should maintain that feel. I don't think he should have a... Sony shouldn't give him an editor or something at this no, point. No, totally. Let me ask you this then. Do it. We know that L Fanning has been confirmed, potentially for Death Stranding, potentially not, whatever mm-hmm. Kojima's doing next. However... Let me ask you, with this in mind, who do you el- who else do you want to see scanned into this game? Jack Black. Jack Black. <laughs> Let's put Jack Black in it. That would be sick. Put him in as a prepper. Jack I think Black he's like doing the Bowser voice. He I'll just give me Jack Black Bowser. Why is there not a Jack Black Bowser voice pack for every single Mario game? And also give me it for Mario Strikers. Like Bowser in that game is already so good. Um yeah, I don't 
The thing, the thing with Destronic is that it felt so much like you had Kojima, who had been sort of shackled to the to, to Konami and Metal Gear for thirty years. He always wanted to. He wanted Metal Gear Solid Two to be the last one, and then it was always like fan response or Konami. They're like, "There's so much money in this. Do another one. Do another one." And eventually, he was able to break free of that. And it felt like Death Stranding was him getting in touch with all of his friends. He had that whole thing on Twitter where he was going up and down America, visiting all these different studios, seeing what different um, technolo- you know, different technologies were out there, finding the photogrammetry booth thing, and then just asking all of his friends, do you want to be in this? And getting everyone from Nicholas Winding Refn to Jeff Keighley to uh, Jordan Vogt Roberts, whatever, and just and Conan O'Brien and all yes. these random people that all just felt like him, just like Shawshank Redemption style, like I'm free, I'm finally out. <laughs> look at how much fun I can have and I wonder how much that has settled for him and I wonder what he wants to do with Death Stranding 2 because for me it all kind of goes back around to the fact that this is the last exclusive game in his existing contract like he signed a two game deal with Sony um, and so this is this is it. And then do we get after this? Does he want to do another Metal Gear? He's been tweeting a lot about Metal Gear recently, um, revisiting a lot of the artwork and revisiting a lot of the plot points and cutscenes and stuff, and saying that he misses it. Yeah. And it's like, I've always said that when Sony signed him, they wanted another Metal Gear. They didn't want big, wonky, auto cliff climbing thing. Um, they wanted another Metal Gear. Um, and I think that he'll do it, but he'll do it for himself if he's going to go there again. I really hope he doesn't. And I say mm. that as a huge Metal Gear fan. You know? I don't mean Metal Gear, the actual franchise. I oh. mean something in more in that vein. Right. Oh, okay. I definitely see mm. that more. But yeah, I, I, I would be totally fine. And I love Death Stranding 1 so much. Yeah. It's a 10 out of 10 game for me. <laughs> But if it ended, if the series ended forever after mm. part two, I would be completely fine with that. Because like you said, now that Kojima is free, I don't want him tied down to another franchise. Right. I want to see what else he can come up with. What else can he do? Like the man has spent decades of his life working on Metal Gear. And yes, keeping it fresh, mm. taking us to new time periods. You know, he managed to find a creative way to exist within that franchise. Mm-hmm. But now completely unshackled. I want to see what he does with Xbox. I want to see what he does in VR. I yes. want to see what he does maybe reteaming with Sony for something a Nintendo. little bit more commercial. I don't want to see him with Nintendo. What do you mean? We mentioned this before, didn't we? I think we talked about it last week. You don't week. want a Nintendo Kojima game? No. Why? Like I, I think, I, again, not to repeat myself, but I don't want it because I, I think of Kojima <laughs> and I think of the latest cutting edge technology and uh, I don't want whatever Kojima produces to be tethered to a, <sighs> to a machine that can produce great games and produce great gameplay-orientated games but isn't known for its technological bombast. There was a time, it was about 15 to 18 years ago, when Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Salafim apparently recorded an album slash a session with the members of Guns N' Roses, then Velvet Revolver. Yes. Um, and we never got to hear what that sounded like. And for the longest time, I've been so curious what that sounded like. The gaming version might be Hideo Kojima sits down with Shigeru Miyamoto. What do the two of them think of? That is a thing that has to happen in life, lest we get another CM Punk situation. Carry on. Once again, that would be um, the uh, Mario movie to us you would think of it as a moment in time i would think of it as something i was cursorily that's not a word interested in <laughs> cursorily yeah yeah cursorily yeah i if, if hideo kojima and shigeru miyamoto were teaming up that you wouldn't care about that nah oh, that I, I would like it me. i would like it as a kind of i'd be called to it i think right. that's the best way to explain it i'd the be father interested of modern in it. gaming i'd be interested in it but i wouldn't be emotionally invested in it <laughs> I was more emotionally invested when Sony 
announced, maybe because yes. I'm a Sony guy, but when Sony mm. announced that they had team with Kojima, I felt that in my bones. Right. If Nintendo did that, I wouldn't feel it in my bones. Oh. I'd feel it in my brain as a content producer first. Oh, I suppose. I'd be just, I'd be super curious. I just want to know what those two people talk about in terms of their approaches to video games because Kojima is so cinematically focused and yeah. so, like you said, in bed with Nicholas Winding Refn and all that kind of stuff. And Miyamoto is so gameplay focused and just so like, how do we make this satisfying and all that kind of stuff. And the two of them together would be, I mean, either would be incredible or you'd get like some really weighty, cutesy thing that has an eight hour cutscene and like whatever. <laughs> um, but but yeah, overall, um, you know, new silent, sorry, new, uh, new silent, new Kojima stuff and new Death Stranding stuff uh, going forward. Like, like I said, like, he started rolling things out more. Um, and again, maybe at the Game Awards, you know, Kojima is—I was going to say—is friends with Jeff Keighley. Jeff Keighley definitely thinks he's friends with uh, Hideo Kojima. They're friends. He tries all the time. He, Kojima just ignores the man left, right. <laughs> what was the thing when hey. he, he tweeted doing a podcast with uh, Jordan Peele and Jeff Keighley and only tagged Jordan Peele? <laughs> Couldn't believe it. The thing is, Kojima has a lot of friends. He does. He's got a lot of famous friends. You know, like you said, he's got a list of directors. Mm. And Jeff Keighley is one of those friends. That's true. And I, if, if, if I was one of Kojima's friends, you bet your ass I wouldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> I'd be tweeting about him all the time. I like what he said he loved him at the, uh, at the Game Awards, <laughs> just, just to let the world know. Um, but yes, for now, this has been the wind up. This has been the latest talking points, the latest game stuff, and whatever else I say. I've been Scott Tilford. You've been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>